Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter joined by the full complement of the Edge crew tonight. We got writer TJ Matthewson, uh, recruiting analyst Dylan Callahan Crowley, and writer Ryan Harlan on the podcast tonight. It was another emergency. Circle the wagons, bring the whole crew in. Because, folks, we have some news. Oregon State has hired Trent Bray to be their head coach after being defensive coordinator on Jonathan Smith's staff. The news was announced at a team meeting tonight. We got all the reaction afterwards. Uh, if you've been following us here at BeaversEdge.com, we've been uh, right at the top of this search. We reported Bray as being their top target, and the Beavers moved swiftly and quickly on this process. Uh, Dylan, let's go ahead and start with you as you were right there in lockstep with me reporting this news uh, from the start. We felt like Trenton Bray was the biggest uh, kind of hire for Oregon State to make and the kind of the top of the fish, so to speak. Dylan, how do you feel how this whole process played out and ultimately how quickly Oregon State was able to get their man? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it when everything went down on, uh, what, Saturday, that uh, John, that uh, Oregon State needed to move fast with the transport opening up next Monday with signing day just a couple of days away. And that fact that once Jonathan Smith left for Michigan state, anybody on the program in the program could leave via the transfer portal because of the coaching change. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think anybody actually entered the portal just yet. We did see two decommitments nope. from the 2024 recruiting class. Um, I'm not sure if they're either are likely to return. I think they'll probably follow uh, Smith to Michigan state, but for Oregon State, this is huge. Just for one, it allows them to hopefully for them keep most of this program together. I mean, uh, Damian Martinez has already said publicly that he's not going anywhere. Uh, we'll see what Aiden does. That's the big one everybody's you know focused on. Mm-hmm. What will DJ do? Because DJ not only could go back in the portal, he could theoretically try to go pro if he wanted to. Um, but you know, transfer portal is coming up. Signing day is three weeks away, and they have a he has a coaching staff to put together in the meantime. And uh, he has uh, what was it, five or six spots at least to fulfill just mm-hmm. in on the field coaching spots. Not not talking about his chief of staff, director of football operations, director sure, of player personnel spots. So, uh, you know, huge for the Beavers to get this done in a matter of a couple of days, just so you know, uh, Trent can jump on the horse and get all these things figured out as soon as possible. Cause you're going to want to know who your OC is. You're going to want to know who your quarterbacks coaches, running backs coaches, as you head into the transfer portal and the next three weeks before signing day and the rest of the 2024 cycle as well. No doubt. Let's go ahead and uh, bring in TJ Matthews in here too. TJ, let's just talk about how Dylan mentioned, obviously the, the need to move quickly. You were on the podcast with the two of or with Dylan and I, uh, on Saturday when we kind of broke the news and kind of talked about what was next. It was a real downer. Like I say, I, I don't mean this dramatically, that Saturday was a a pretty tough day for Oregon State fans. I mean, it, it was one of the darker days, I would say, in Oregon State football history. The mood was not great. It was a real the sky is falling kind of a thing. And talk about the narrative now that we've seen, which is almost kind of flipped to a real positive kind of prove the world wrong mentality once again. Talk about a mood shift just in a couple of days, TJ. The mood shift is, uh, I would say it got better day by day, mostly because the reactions we saw from some of the players, at least some of the more vocal ones mm-hmm. online, on Twitter, um, and across your various social media pr- platforms. I think the big fear when Jonathan left was some of these prized young pieces that you thought would immediately dip out and go and leave and mm-hmm. go to Michigan State. And then some of the some of the feedback 
for that some of the players gave publicly online was suggesting kind of the otherwise. And I would say from everything we've been seeing and hearing, a lot of them will follow the leaders of this team, uh, the leaders of this team in, in terms of where they go in the portal. So once Damian Martinez is like, yep, we're riding with Trent, mm-hmm. you got to feel pretty good. And that brings up the mood all around Beaver Nation and accepting the reality of, okay, you know, w- like the day, the 24-hour rule of being sad about Jonathan Smith, it's gone, it's passed. Yep. So now you actually, you, know, you got to pick yourself up and you got to figure out what's next. And I think Trent Bray is a really fabulous addition to what's next. I thought, and if you're trying to limit the uh, uh, the the deterioration of what could happen next year and the year after that with this roster and recruiting, Trent Bray was the hire. In terms of keeping this group together, yep. that was it. You didn't want a different coach to come in and say, okay, well, I want all my own guys in here. Well, how long is that going to take? It's not like there's a bunch of stability in this program right now. There's not the patience to, to wait out another rebuild. We need these guys on this roster here and playing. And Trent Bray is the guy to keep everyone here and do that. And he's been very positively received. A hundred percent. And the reaction has been positive. And you've seen, like TJ mentioned, all the players that have started to rally behind this. And, you know, I think this, this hire on numerous levels, you know, makes sense. We've discussed it at length. I think it was the best thing, you know, the fellas and I collectively said on Saturday, Trent Bray was the hire that was going to most be able to stop the bleeding. And it really seemed like the bleeding never really started or yet hasn't come or, you know, is up for debate still with the exception of the two recruits that Dylan mentioned. And to be honest, you know, there could be more deflections and what have you. Not every player has gone on social media and said something. So that's going to be something to keep an eye out for, but uh, let's go ahead and kick it over to Ryan and bring him onto the podcast. Ryan Harlan, Beaver's edge writer as well. Ryan, you, have you know the benefit of being on campus with uh, a lot of these guys and you know kind of have had their reactions from the get-go obviously you saw the full range of reactions with talking to guys on Saturday when they were kind of shocked and saddened to now very happy and that range of emotions just kind of talk about what your conversations have been like uh, with some of the guys uh, these last couple days a lot of it on that Saturday, Brennan, was just a lot of empathy. Like, yep. just the way in which the situation played out, I it was hard. It was hard even on me, too, to kind of process everything because of just the connection I've had around the team for the past three years and just that wide range of emotion of being a student here, you know, reporting. And it was kind of a lot for me to process at that time, and I think the same of players as well it was very much a you know this the sky's like tj said of the sky's falling down and everything is kind of bleak and you don't know what's going to happen next and then as the news kind of as the days went by i could kind of get the sense that players were a little more optimistic that Bray was going to be their guy going forward. And I think with the support that all the players had, I think that was the, that was the clear cut move was to go for Bray and act in the best interest of the players, because in this whole situation, they weren't, they weren't cared for in this, their, their consideration was not, was not taken, you know, was not taken by Smith in his decision to move to Michigan state from kind of the indication of what I heard from players talking about when they knew uh, about Mm -hmm. the move being official and, that that was something where I think this was going to be the the home run hire that that Barnes needed to have in order to keep this talent for next year. Yeah, and I think obviously if you're Scott Barnes, you're doubling down on the Oregon State alumni narrative. You nailed it a few years ago with Jonathan Smith giving him his first time head coach job. 
This is for Trent Bray's first head to head coaching job. He served briefly as the interim uh, of Nebraska, but never coached a game uh, during his tenure and also had been on Oregon State staff since 2018. And fellas, I'm curious what your perspective is on this. I'm sure you've seen by now, but it's started to circulate across social media, what Jonathan Smith's record was as a head coach without Trent Bray as a head or as a defensive coordinator and with Trent Bray as a defensive coordinator. And one's a losing record, one's a winning record. And, you know, I, I think more than anything, it's 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 just interesting that Oregon State may have retained arguably the best coach on that staff. Now, a case could be made for Jim Mahalchuk, and, and I think absolutely I wouldn't argue with you in that regard because Jim Mahalchuk did great things from the word go. But at the same token, Trent Bray did pretty good, pretty good things from the word go too. So I think – when you consider, you know, how it all unfolded, I think getting Trent Bray was the best option. And Dylan, I'm going to kick it over to you real quick too. On that note, Trent Bray seemed like it kind of happened fast, but let's talk a little bit about some of those other candidates were reported. Do you think Scott Barnes did still do his due diligence on this case, making sure that there wasn't, say, an ex-head coach like Paul Christ, who was established that maybe wasn't a better fit now, or, you know, for instance, maybe a Brent Brennan or someone else names that we had got thrown out there. And even some new names that surfaced this morning uh, at beaversedge.com. Yeah, I think he did do his due diligence. Uh, you know, it, I, yes, it felt like Trent Bray was the obvious hire from kind of the beginning and this whole search, but, and if, it, and it could have been, he could have, you know, he could have been hired Saturday evening hours after, you know, Jonathan uh, officially goes over to Michigan State, and we've seen that in college over before. It's happened. Um, but uh, he he did take his time, even though this was kind of a pretty aggressive timeline, all things considered. Right. Jonathan leaves Saturday. Um, on Sunday night, we begin hearing that uh, it's Trent, who's the lead candidate, that things could move faster. Um, yesterday was kind of like the quiet day of the search, yeah. and then today yep. – um, it started with, you know, some new names emerging. And then as the day went on, it kind of started picking up that this couldn't be ending today or tomorrow. But I mean, we felt all the way that this was going to be an aggressive timeline um, this, and that Scott Barnes could do his due diligence in the process. And based off our sources, he definitely did that. But uh, I mean, we were saying from Sunday that this could be a pretty aggressive timeline with a decision as soon as Monday night, if not Tuesday, uh, we woke up this morning. I reported this morning that we still felt like this was a decision coming within uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. And um, our, our sources credit to them were right all the way. And uh, uh, so credit to our sources. Absolutely. But uh, we, we were definitely on top of this though, from the very beginning. Absolutely. And one thing I want to touch base with TJ and Ryan on because they both have uh been to uh, Oregon State practices at various times and you know someone posted on our board I believe it was Callie Beeve shout out to Callie for this point mentioning that you know based on what we had reported variously at Beaver's Edge it really felt like the fans who hadn't got to go see those practices kind of felt like Smith was more of the CEO and Trent Bray was kind of the heart and soul of the team with what we saw at practice and you know, that's where this hire, like, you know, you, you hear the narrative pop up out there, like, you know, never hire or it doesn't always work out for the guy that the players instantly say hire this guy, right? It doesn't always work out. And sometimes you can not do your due diligence by just naming who the players want in that emotional moment, right? Making the knee-jerk, uh, knee-jerk decision, so to speak. 
But going back to Trent Bray, because the two of you guys have also seen him at practice, Trent Bray is just like a super aggressive guy in like the most positive way and just like attacks like everything in his life as like a challenge and, you know, a way that he needs to attack it. And like just to kind of quantify it for those watching at home, like when he – it hasn't been for a couple of years now, but I remember – a couple fall camps ago, Trent Brace, you know, gets done doing his media session, you know, with us. And then he's like, yeah, I'm going to go race my guys in the 40 and like would do it and like races, you know, linebackers and whatnot. He's just kind of a, a high energy, just raw, raw kind of guy. And compared to maybe Smith, who I think was a bit more reserved, not super like, you know, raw, raw for lack of better terms. I think Trent Bray could kind of be that guy. You'd see him giving the emotional speeches in the locker room and, you know, hyping the guys up and, and those kind of things. A- am I reading into that right, guys? Do you kind of feel I, the same way? I think we'll <clears> – I'm curious to see how he's going to evolve as a head coach because he's now – it's not only – he can't only focus on the defense now. He is going to have to be that CEO of this program. And, you know, he can still be the heart and soul of it, but he's going to have a ton more responsibilities on his sure. plate there. And he doesn't want to spread himself too thin to 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 sort of wear himself out as head coach. So I'm curious to see sure. if he dials that back a little bit. But saying he has energy, like, uh, yeah, this dude sprints <laughs> everywhere he goes. When he's right coming up to talk to us, I mean, he's sprinting there. He's not lacking for energy. He's not lacking for care of football. I mean, this is his life. He right. loves football. I mean, he said it last year. It was almost a year ago exactly when I was asked about if he was interested in head coaching mm-hmm. and, and money's like, well, the money, the money is not really the most important thing. It's more about the more the about fit. the fit it's and the quality of life as well, which for someone who's totally focused on football, like that's it. That's all that matters. Why not Corvallis? You have so, so much to just focus on football. Cause yeah, you know, there's just not a whole lot else for <laughs> adults to do around here. So he's got a lot of time to sit there and concentrate on football. And I mean, it's reflected in his decision. If he really did not want to be a head coach, he'd be in East Lansing. Uh, like I, 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 agree. I don't, yeah. I, I, I don't think if he, if he still felt that way, he would be with Jonathan Smith right now, but he decided that he, it, it, in the last year or so, he's come to the realization that, you know what, like I, I'm going to give this a stab. I like living here and I care about this program. And that's ultimately what we've come to. And same question to you, Ryan, and also just adding on to that, you know, just how much do you think in this particular case, like we all know Jonathan Smith asked Trent Bray to come with him. Like we we, we all know that mm-hmm. that question was asked simply for the fact that, like I just said, Jonathan Smith has a losing record as a head coach when he's not his defensive coordinator. So not to say that Trent Bray is the only defensive coordinator in the world, but I'm sure Jonathan Smith probed and asked and, you know, Ryan, to you again, how much does this mean for Oregon State fans to know that now someone did choose them in a sense? And maybe Trent Bray didn't want to be a head coach, but I don't know if he wanted to leave his style of life in Corvallis and his alma mater more, if that makes sense. No, I I agree with that uh, 100%. And two, I know that was a year ago, but also things things change quickly uh, too. And depending on the situation, I'm sure with all this, I think Bray kind of, you know, kind of agreed that, Hey, this is, this is my opportunity to have this, this moment. And on that, on that energy front too, like I've seen the man sprint down the field in 90 degree weather, 90 plus degree weather with long sleeve sweats, <laughs> double shirt, you know, going on yep. there with players with a loose ball 
um just the kind of guy that you want to run through a wall for like I mean the first time I heard him speak like that was like I got that sense um there and I had a I for one availability when he was first named interim uh defensive coordinator I talked to him off to the side and I kind of got his thoughts a little bit and he was he was honest with me uh with that which was kind of refreshing to hear a little bit of how he was feeling he was feeling a little overwhelmed with new responsibility but like players rallied around him and it was a different feel Mm -hmm. of Bray just allows us to go out there and just be aggressive and not think and do our jobs and just have fun doing it like that that's the this the sense I get from Bray as a coach and Easton uh Masquerius Arnold who I've I'm close with he he's talks nothing but positives about Bray as his position coach just a hundred percent yeah a hundred percent and you know the players have spoken well and you know you 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 almost have to kind of take a step back and realize you know obviously it's an example kind of in a vacuum but like it's it's flat out objective that Oregon State went from one of the worst defenses in the conference in 2021 to when he had a full offseason Oregon State was statistically the best defense in the conference in 2022 with largely the same personnel Granted, you know, a lot of veterans, you know, some some good play and, and, and those kind of things. And you saw them slip a little bit this year, but still a top five defense across the board in most categories this year. And I think that just kind of speaks because that defense was really an Achilles heel of Jonathan Smith's entire first half of his tenure. So I think that's something that definitely can't be discounted in this process. And, you know, Dylan, kicking it back to you now, we mentioned obviously offensive coordinator probably going to be Trent Bray's biggest hire of need as far as like needing to hire somebody smart because well smart and like innovative because Trent Bray's background is defense that's where I think his defensive coordinator hire is less important than his offensive coordinator hire do you agree with that yeah because he also may choose to be the defensive coordinator he he may choose to call the plays he may still hire a defensive coordinator but he, that defense coordinator may be defense coordinator in name and uh, pay only, and he may be the ones who are calling the plays. But, uh, sure. yeah, the offensive coordinator is by far the most uh, important one uh, here for him because you imagine that offensive coordinator is likely also going to be the quarterback's coach. Um, and based off what we know, it, it does sound like that offensive coordinator hire may end up deciding what Aiden decides to do here in the upcoming weeks. Uh, if he likes the offense coordinator hire, I, I think there's a good chance Aiden sticks around. If not, uh, we'll see where Aiden goes. I don't think it's necessarily a slam dunk that if Aiden leaves, he's headed to East Lansing. But um, I, I think Aiden's going to give um, Trent here the time to find that offense coordinator, which I imagine Trent, you know, going into these interviews, I imagine Trent already had an idea of who he wanted to bring with him. Sure, a short list of uh, shorts. Or not bring with him, bring into Corvallis. Um, or is he going to promote uh, may, maybe key fence to uh, offense corner? Perhaps uh, we'll see. But he probably has, he definitely has an idea already. Aiden's going to wait around and see what happens there. But um, I, I think having the support of all the other players, though, could definitely help with with a guy like Aiden and some of the other guys that are on that you know teetering of leaving or staying sure uh, seeing everybody else you know having this buy-in especially like a guy like Damian Martinez I mean Damian Martinez could, could have entered the transfer portal 
on Saturday, and mm-hmm. he would have had multiple attends, 15, 20, $100,000 NIL offers plus to go anywhere in the country today. And he decided he wanted to stick in Corvallis. And I think that says a lot about um, that Oregon State, the Oregon State program as a whole, uh, Damien's belief in the administration and that he thought Trey Trent was going to be the, you know, the guy for the job. And I think that says a lot. I think that could, you know, be felt throughout this, the roster and other guys are going to feed off that feeling as well. TJ, back to you real quick. We talked briefly on Saturday. Like, could is there? D- Damian Martinez was pretty vocal from the start and starting to kind of post hints pretty early that he was going to stay. And I believe we mentioned like if Damian Martinez is like the leader and kind of guys start to fall in line, if one could stay, most of them could stay. How impressed have you been that like we haven't seen a whole bunch of exodus amidst this uncertainty? It's almost kind of like the players so far have kind of handled the Smith news and not really had any knee-jerk reactions so far. I think it goes back to my first point of how they handled the initial departure. I think if we would have seen it, we would have seen it already. I mean, I right. think if the if the current players were not trusting in which coaches are remaining and what the university had to offer and what the future had to offer, I mean, they they wouldn't have wouldn't have been, I would say, as optimistic to stay. But again, we still haven't seen anyone it it very well might just be anchored by Damian Martinez you know we're gonna go as our best offensive player goes and as long as Damian Martinez believes in this coaching staff he believes in Trent Bray he believes in this university then a lot of the other guys will say hey I mean if Damian thinks so the guy who has he could go any like Dylan said he could go anywhere make any amount of money he wants in this college football world before going to the NFL next year decides to stay here I mean that really means something and it and it helps when you have this veteran leadership on this roster to help bridge this gap of uncertainty between you know this last Pac-12 season and some unknown in the future and you know you got to give your hat tip to Damian of of stepping up when the moment needs it the most and and really leading this roster a lot of guys you know decide especially as a 20 21 year old now i don't have to do that i don't have to do that i'll just go chase the bag but obviously damien's not that way right and i think and i think you know collectively like that's something that oregon state fans can take pride in and it's definitely been a uh and we'd be remiss guys if we didn't mention the uh, the damnation collective just exploding you know these last couple days with you know everyone you know committing some amounts of 44 for Trent Bray for his playing number. I I know that number has, you know, gone up quite a bit and it really does look like Oregon state's going to end up matching that million to million thing that got, you know, announced a couple, um, a couple months ago now. And, you know, the support has, has been quite impressive, you know, for Oregon state kind of flowing in wanting to, you know, prove that the program matters. And I think that's been important uh, to kind of close out the podcast here, fellas, again, Brendan Slaughter, TJ Mathewson, Dylan Callahan Crowley and uh, Ryan Harlan joining us here. Well, what's one thing you guys want to hear Trent Bray say tomorrow uh, at his press conference? Obviously, he's going to meet the media at 2 o'clock. Everyone can uh, watch that Pac-12 network and then wait for uh, um, the Beaver's Edge reaction afterwards. We'll have the video, our reactions, and so much more. But just real quickly from each of you guys, just what's one thing you'd like to see him say tomorrow? I can't watch it because Pac-12 Network isn't available in my area. So fair enough. When you see, oh yeah, <laughs> fair enough, Dylan. That, Speak that's, for that's, yourself. Does, 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 <laughs> that, does that not, fellas? Does that not perfectly sum up 
the 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 Pac-12 conference as a whole. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's streaming online too on pac12.com/live. So There you go. There you go. There go. Be okay. There we go. Um I guess I'll start uh you know, I I I guess I I think the one thing I'll be interested to hear from him is just um I mean, this is a guy who could have had like we talk about any opportunity really to go anywhere to be a defense coordinator. USC was calling for him. Uh, he could have gone to East Lansing. He was going to get a significant pay raise if he went to East Lansing. Um, I, I guess I wonder if if this wasn't Oregon State opening, and let's say he was with Jonathan at a another, just go say like Washington State. Would he have still taken the job if this was like Washington State opening and, and it was the not his alma mater, not and not his yeah. alma mater, uh, and Good how point. much, and how just how much you know being a a a Beaver alumni, being a, a second generation Beaver coach, how much that played into his thought process and just really what it means to him, be it for him and then ultimately I guess just what his overall picture uh and idea is uh, going forward with uh, the coach and staff and all that too of course i Let's Brendan, i want to know TJ. yeah i was going to say i want to know what sold him on the future to commit to this university there's so much Good uncertainty one. in the future but what like what sold him on that he could have you know i'm just going to throw a number out there he probably could have made 2 million dollars each at usc and east lansing i'm going to guess for the a coach of his caliber and he's going to get an increase of probably a million and a half dollars to be a head coach, but amid more uncertainty. So what sold him that Oregon state, you know, has a future can be viable and why he wants to commit. I mean, take a gamble. I would say in his coaching career to be a head coach at this university, if like, if the funding falls out and he can't keep the program afloat, then it reflects on him as a head coach. And you don't like that as, as a, as a, Sure. Uh, as a prospective coaching member. So I'd want to know that from Trent. Sure. And over to you, Ryan, to uh, close it out. Similar to what TJ said too, but also I kind of want to learn a little more on like what those conversations were like with Barnes and what was the eventual, okay, like I feel comfortable enough to take him over this position. Um, just what that kind of was like and the conversations with Smith before the departure over to East Lansing and just kind of getting a little more you know, in depth on those conversations, depending on what he shares tomorrow. Right. No, that's, that's, that's good as well. And I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what ultimately sold, like, like you guys mentioned, what sold him on being a head coach, but perhaps more specifically than that, like what he's going to do is like every coach is unique, right? So the question I'm going to ask right away is no coach is going to carbon copy. How much different is he going to be than Jonathan Smith? What's going to be different in his program compared to Jonathan Smith? Will it be 90% the same? Will it be 70% the same? 50%, a hundred, you know, 99.9. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see what that is. And then, you know, just, just for in a, in a pure uh, uh, humorous uh, sense, fellas, uh, I've seen it all over social media. I'd, I'd like him to go up there and quote Jordan Belfort from the Wolf of Wall Street and just say, I, I, I was never leaving paraphrasing of course so I I, I I would love to hear that that would be like an all-time troll and uh, I, I would be here for it <laughs> so yes I'm sure that was part of the conversation in the team meeting was him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need video fellas and, we're gonna have to find the video you know it exists and to but, quickly, uh, no, to go quickly ahead, off, yeah, yeah. off off what TJ said is I'll, I'll be interested to see what he says uh, if if he's asked or just outright 
TJ asked, you know, saying about what sold him on the future of uh, Oregon State, but how is he planning on selling the future of Oregon State to recruits, uh, to recruits' parents, but also the fan base? I mean, we talked about it on Saturday. We talked about it today when Jonathan Smith left. I mean, a lot of the fan base was basically ready just to hang up the cleats per se. I mean, <laughs> it, it was it was total depression in Corvallis. Um, but and the future is still uncertain. I mean, we probably find out about the 2024 schedule here in the next couple of days, it seems. And we'll find out about, you know, whatever the future may hold in, in the upcoming weeks and months. But uh, how is he going to sell that future to recruits uh, and to their family members, but also the fans? I think mean, it's going to be really important to the future of Oregon State football. No doubt. We'll make sure to keep con- uh, covering it here at beaversedge.com. Uh, we'll obviously have a presence tomorrow at uh, Trent Bray's press conference, so stay tuned for uh, all of that. And again, if you can't catch it uh, live or can't catch it, obviously, in person, make sure to head over to pac12.com slash live, as TJ mentioned, or on Pac-12 Network. Uh, that's going to be at 2 o'clock tomorrow. We'll have the full reaction. And make sure to stay tuned to beaversedge.com. As Dylan and I will be looking uh, at uh, potential names for offensive coordinator and the rest of the staff. That's already starting to you know, percolate to the surface, some potential names and whatnot. And we'll be obviously uh, making those hot boards live. So make sure to stay tuned for that. And, again, big thanks to TJ Matthewson, uh, Dylan Callahan-Crowley, and Ryan Harlan for jumping on for a late-night kind of emergency pod as uh, – you know, we, we definitely had to uh, get our thoughts out there tonight. And uh, big thanks to you guys uh, each for uh, jumping on the podcast. So uh, without further ado, that'll go ahead and wrap up this edition of the podcast. Stay tuned to beaversedge.com as we'll continue to have coverage of Trent Brace hire as Oregon State head coach.